Welcome to the Team Building Podcast, where you'll learn how to build a dominant real estate team in your market, featuring masterminds with team leaders and mega agents, plus in-depth interviews with operations managers and marketing directors of some of the top teams in the country. You'll learn the latest methods to generate and convert leads, streamline your operations, recruit and train better agents, and raise your profit. And now, here's the latest team building podcast. So, it is all about goal setting this month. And again, it's a holiday month. So, I think we only have like maybe three classes, Dana. Does that sound right? Three Thursdays in the month. But when it comes to goal setting, you guys, it is, and I'm going to try to not get too much in the weeds right now because I want you guys to understand bigger picture. Everybody's goals are different. And I think I had a call uh, yesterday, and I don't see him on the call today, but I had a call with somebody, and everybody's going to want something different, right? When We all have teams of whether they're teams of two or three or whether they're teams of 20 or 30 or we have our own brokerage. Everybody's going to want something different and the hard part, especially for you high Ds in the call, right? And I'm looking at you, Joe Seaman. For those of you, right, who are those high Ds who are very goal-oriented and goal-driven, it can be really tough for you to cater to everybody, okay? And that's why when we, when we go through this process that we're going to go through over this month is we really want to make sure that you guys understand and kind of take that part out of it almost Make it easy enough or systemize it enough that you can take your brain out and literally go through the steps so that you don't have to be the person trying to understand where they're coming from. Does that make sense? I want you guys to be able to like, if I'm a high D, I can help goal set with an IS or a SC or whatever. Okay. And so that's what everybody needs to understand. But we've got to make sure that we are asking the right questions. Okay. And too many times, goal setting, I've realized, and, and, and please help me, I hope, I hope I'm not the only one thinking this, but I, what I've noticed is when I have these conversations with people, goal setting with an agent and recruiting with an agent, if you were to, not, if you were to walk in and not understand the situation, would sound very similar. And what I mean by that is, if I'm helping Kim Barrows here, Oh, Kim, just real quick, make sure you put your city and market after your name. Same with you, Camille, um, and you, Paul. So when we do that is we almost, when we sit down and we recruit an agent, we tell them, hey, here's what I can do for you. This is what you need. This is why you need me. That's what we tell agents when we recruit them. Now, when we sit down and we talk about goal setting, this is what you should aspire to do. This is what you should aspire to make. And because that's what I've done and that's what you should want to do. Okay. And these are very, these can be very, very different, different um, answers depending on the person I'm talking to. And where is it? Uh, Ron's here. Ron, make sure you put Kansas City after your name. So Ron and I had a conversation yesterday and I wanted to know if you guys were feeling the same thing because this goes into goal setting, especially as it pertains to recruiting. Because how many, raise your hand right now, if you guys have goals that uh, center around some sort of recruiting this year, this coming year? Yeah, everybody, right? Yes, perfect. And so what I wanted, uh, what we found is, and Ron's, Ron's doing it, he's cold calling, he's doing the whole thing, right? And what we found is, and Ron found too, because he, uh, it helped me because it made me feel, uh, ver uh, I got verification, validation. Thank you. I got validation because what he had heard from other heavy hitters across the country, right? He talked to some people who were hammering out a lot of recruiting and he was getting the same thing. When it comes to recruiting, okay? And I want you to understand this when you're doing your goal setting is we would always used to say this, hey, grab those people that are doing between one and five units a year, right? Because Why? Why, Andy? Well, because at least they know how to walk and chew gum and they filled out a purchase agreement before. And we know they're licensed and they've actually received a commission check. So they're hungry for more, right? They're not the baby that I literally have to go with them, right? And sit at the table with their clients and fill out their purchase agreement because we want to leverage their knowledge. We always say this, well, how many are there more now? And raise your hand if you agree with me. 
Are there more real estate agents now than ever before? Okay. Do we hear on the news, and this does not need to get political, okay? So please don't have it be political. We, do we hear on the news that people are struggling finding people to work, businesses, right? They're struggling finding people to work. Whether they can't find somebody to accept their job, they just can't physically offer enough, whatever, there's a thousand reasons, don't care. They're physically struggling finding people to come in and work for them because of a number of reasons. People are realizing, right, I can make $40,000 a year working for company X, Y, or Z, or I can stay home and spend $40,000 a year, right? Uh, or I can, sorry, I can make $40,000 a year, but then spend that on childcare. Or I can just stay home, right? And so they're removing themselves. They're not even looking anymore. They're just removing themselves from the workforce, okay? And that's happening a lot of places. For whatever reason, we all have our reasons, fine. But it's happening. So what they're now doing is saying, wow, I have some spare time. Instead of it being, I'm a teacher and I'm a real estate agent on the side, they are stay at home and I'm a real estate agent on the side. They do not have the want or the desire to sell 30 houses a year and to make $100,000. They already are saving, right? Breaking even by staying home. And now they're just looking for a little extra. So when Camille goes to interview these agents and she's like, oh my gosh, I can show you how to make 80 grand a year in your first year and 160 your second year. They're like, oh, that sounds amazing. And then they never call Camille back. That's not what they're looking for. But yet that is a, we know, majority of the agents that are out there. But we are trained to interview and recruit as if everybody falls into that one person that's the 19 out of 20, right? That one person actually stays in the business. Okay, if I have uh, Kim here and I say, hey, you know what, Kim? Kim is only looking to make 20K and she wants to do five transactions. And guess what she wants? She wants, she wants somebody who is not gonna charge her any fees, right? Because there's gonna be three months where she's not even gonna do anything real estate related. She might even forget she had a, had a uh, uh, license. And then all of a sudden, she's gonna sell two houses in September. And she sure as heck doesn't want somebody that's gonna be like, yeah, well, that's $500 for just a month or $100 a month here, $500 for the transaction fee, and we're gonna take 30% of your commission right? She doesn't want that person. Everybody in this room is building a business. Kim's looking for a job. Okay. And those are different things. So when we ask somebody, and, and the reason I'm, I'm harping on this situation when it comes to recruiting is that we have the same conversation when we do goal setting. Okay. It's the same strategy. When we sit is we ask, why am I the solution for the person that I'm recruiting? What about me is, will fix, as Ron put it yesterday, their pain point. We don't ask what their pain point is. If I sit down and I ask Kim before I even meet with her face-to-face -face on the phone, and I ask her about her real goals, right? What are you trying to accomplish with real estate, Kim? I know Kim's not a good fit for me. So I don't reach out to her. I don't have that lunch meeting, right? Too many times, and I'm just using you as a, I don't even know your business, Kim. You're probably an amazing mega agent, right? So, but when we use those is we just assume that that's what you should want. And we're seeing a ton out there. It's really hard, right? We have a lot of agents who are, who are doing a little bit of business and they have saturated the market. And we all know this because they, they buy our listings and then we have to help them get through the process so that the deal doesn't fall apart. And now I see a lot of heads nodding. <laughs> okay, so... What we want to maybe, and what we discussed is two things. Change our audience. So the people that we're reaching out to, maybe they aren't the ones that are doing one to five, but maybe they're the ones that are, that are making a minimum of maybe 40 to 50K in our market. Does that make sense? All right. But always remember, who am I recruiting? And then how can I help them be successful? If I'm recruiting these brand new agents, but yet I don't offer training or mentorship or lead gen or an office or any of those types of things, I'm not equipped to help a brand new agent succeed. If I'm 
only trying to grab heavy hitters, right? Who, um, like a Kim, see, now Kim, you're a heavy hitter. If I'm trying to get Kim here and she's doing, you know, 60 units a year and she's making good money, two, three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars a year, but I'm not equipped with staff, transaction coordination, or technology to help Kim leverage her time or even a commission structure that helps make sense for Kim, then am I wasting my time and spinning my wheels trying to recruit Kim? Of course. So everybody always asks me, Andy, what type of, and I get asked this, like even when, especially when we like go on, uh, when we're on stage speaking at something, what type of agents are the best ones to recruit? And I always say, well, you got to ask your question, what type of agents are you equipped to help succeed? Those are the ones. So now you have to do, you have to kind of look in the mirror and do a self audit, right? And say, well, what do we offer and how is that helpful and who would that help the most? That's going to be my audience. All right. So that's first. Then, erase this here. Then we always want to ask them, and this is actually a conversation I had with Ron yesterday, is when I bring somebody in, so say I'll bring Joe in. I say, hey, Joe. I say, Joe, where do you see? Because everybody's happy. I've never met a real estate agent that's not happy when you're trying to recruit them, right? They're always like, oh, I'm really happy where I'm at, okay? First of all, that was my bad for having, having a lunch meeting with somebody who's only ever done four deals because they, what, what, they don't know what the happy is that I need them to be at, right? And that's not my fault and that's not their fault, right? It probably was my fault for setting that appointment. But if I want to ask these questions, everybody's always happy where they're at. And I say, great, well, I understand you're happy where you're at. I already know what their numbers are because I did my research. And I say, Joe, where do you see your real estate business in 18 to 24 months from now? Like, what do you want it to grow into? Okay. And Joe's going to give me a wide range of answers. It could be, eh, I'm really happy with where I'm at now. I kind of like what I'm doing, right? That's awesome. Joe is not fit for my organization, but that's awesome for Joe. Okay. Or it can say something in fact where you might say, well, I'm going to, I want to build it to be this, right? I want to get up and actually be able to quit my other job. I want to make a minimum of X. I would like to have a team of two agents. I would like to do whatever, right? And he's going to have all these dreams. You say, great, um, 100 million in sales. I like it, Joe. Thank you for sharing that. Perfect. Now we're talking. I'm interested. Joe's got my attention. So now we do that. And I say, Joe, that's great. So what is it that you feel like when you go to bed at night and you lay your head down and all the thoughts start coming through, right? All the fears and the worries and you're anxious. What is it that needs to happen or that you need to help you get there to that hundred million thousand, hundred what million dollars in sales? What is it that you think in your head? Now, Joe's only oversold four or five houses in a year. So he doesn't know what it takes to get to a hundred million in sales probably, Okay. But I'm asking the question because I'm educate, we are educating them at the same time. Too many times we want to speak at them, right? Instead of hold their hand and walk them through the process. So then Joe will say, oh, you know what? I've always wanted to have X, Y, or Z. Do not care. He might need a culture, right? Well, I'd love a place where I could really have an office where I go every day. I think that would really motivate me. Oh, I've always really wanted some sort of CRM. I hear those are important. I really want lead generation. You know what? I really would like it if I could um, have some sort of commission structure that actually caps or a hundred million different things that he can say. And then I get to say, great, I have that solution or I don't have that solution. Right? And that's where then I can, I can mitigate Joe's pain point by making sure that I am asking the right questions. It could say, well, yeah, you, well, Joe, you realize to get to 100 million, you're going to have to do X, Y, and Z, and then you're going to have to do this, you're going to have to do that, you're going to have to do this, and you haven't even done this yet. And I don't know why you think, how do you expect Bill to do that? You have to do this before that, right? And I want to basically word vomit knowledge onto him so that he sees my value. Joe doesn't understand a lot of the things I'm saying to him are even valuable. If you make $60,000 a year, and then two years later, you make $120,000 a year. Do you have different options? And do you have different thoughts in your head than you had previously? Of course you do. It doesn't make you a bad person, right? Or a better person. You just have different options, different ideas. Things are available to you now that weren't then. All right. I have different worries. 
So we need different solutions to those things. Same thing when it comes to goal setting. When somebody sits down and I have my three main things that I absolutely do and I crush, right? Paul, do me a favor. Paul Swack, go ahead and put your city and market right behind your name. So I have these three things that I can offer. Don't care. We'll call them A, B, and C, and they're amazing. Okay. I've, I've created these things and everybody should want to be with me because I have these three amazing things. And then I recruit somebody, or I'm sorry, I sit down and I ask somebody about goal setting. And I say, what is it that you would like to accomplish? And we hear all these numbers, whether it's 60,000 or 100 million in sales. Whether or not the three things that I have help them, I'm going to fit those three things into their business. Right? It's kind of like if you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Okay? If this is what I do well, I'm going to force that on everybody else. So if I'm super productive, I'm going to force everybody else to be super productive. Right? All of those types of things. So we have to remember when we sit down and we do these goal setting uh, meetings with each one of our agents is we remove ourselves, And that's a hard thing to do. It's a really hard thing to do. Why does every, we talk about this all the time. Jeff realized early on, he's never going to hire a Jeff. Right? I told Jeff, he was lucky. I'm not him. And he's like, he goes, Whoa, Whoa. What do you mean? You're I'm lucky that you're not me. And I said, if I was you, I would have left. Like, seven years ago, and I'd be your number one competitor. And he's like, okay, that's fair. Right. But that's the thing is, is you, it's uh, what's the Einstein quote. We can't fix the problems by using the same thinking that we did to create them or that we used to create them. Right. And I know I butchered that a little bit, but you get the gist is we've got to make sure that we are removing ourselves, and it is truly about the agent. And that's hard. You guys, that's really hard. Here you guys are, a lot of you working 60 hours a week, making X amount of dollars, life-changing money, working super hard, doing, wearing all these hats. I am recruiter. I am uh, top producer. I am lead gen coordinator. I am everything. I'm trainer. You're doing all these things. And then you meet with somebody. And if you feel like you have to drag them to want to sell 10 homes, who in here has had that situation, right? I'm sure just about everybody can be raising their hand, right? You have to understand, and the problem is you, that person's on your team because you didn't ask the right questions at the beginning. Okay. Now, the other good news is you can create a system where a person wanting to sell 10 homes and a person wanting to sell a have 100 million in sales, Joe, can be at the same organization. You can create that. But first, you have to do that audit where you know who am I equipped to help now? And then who do I want to equip, be able to equip to help? And then that's where you find your personal growth and your professional growth, right? Does this make sense? So we want to make sure that we are equipped to help the people that we are meeting. Too many times somebody comes in and says, what's your goal? And then we tell them why they're wrong. <laughs> okay. And so when you do these goal settings, the number one thing, and I'm going to, I just want you guys to do this and have these numbers set up for when we meet the next consecutive weeks, because we're going to use these numbers, is first things first, just like you guys run a business, you got to understand most of your agents don't run a business. They're working a job right now. You guys, uh, hopefully, are starting to think about this as a business. When you have a business, you have expenses and you have income, right? Well, when they're working a job, they, they don't have biz, really business expenses. What they have, they have personal expenses. So when you sit down with an agent, you're going to say, hey, Andrew, how much is your household household budget? Keep the lights on, keep the insurance check, make sure that the mortgage is paid, your cell phone, your car has gas in it, right? What is it? And then you can eat. What's your budget? Andrew's going to give me his answer. I'm going to say, great, Andrew. That's our baseline. Then we take that times 12 and we have our baseline number. And you're going to do this for every single agent. Then you're going to say... I want you to go home and this is where we're going to create our vision board. Okay. And you work with each agent. And when you do it, so when you have this goal setting meeting, this is not a one time 20 minute in and out. This is a, we do this every week for a month and our only focus is on goals. And they're going to come back and they're going to say, yeah, I'd like to really quick. I'm going to shoot around. I want four answers. 
from you. I'm just going to pick on some people on four answers, and you're going to give me the four things that we always see on vision boards. All right, Jared, you're first. What's an agent going to put on their vision board? A boat. Couldn't hear you. A boat. A boat. Perfect. I want to buy a boat. Okay. And then Mark Van Stein, what's another agent going to put on their vision board? Oh, you're muted. A house. A house. I want to buy a new house, Andy. Of course you do. All right. And then Paul Swack, what's another, what's another person going to put on their vision board? Um, <clears throat> getting out of some debt. <laughs> Perfect. Debt. Okay. And then last but not least, let's go with uh, Nick. Nick, what, what's one other one? Kids college fund. There you go. Kids college. And then one more I'm going to put on here that you guys didn't say that for the love of God happens every single time is lose weight or work out or be healthier or vacations is another one. Nice job. Whoever wrote that in. I should work on spelling. That should be on my vision board. Okay. So these are the things all the time, right? We see these things and they've been cheapened because this is where we stop. Great. Ron wants to get a bow. Jared wants to get season tickets to the Hawkeyes. Um, uh, who has the Ken wants to get out of debt, right? All this stuff. Okay. Well, we cannot stop there. Just like we can't stop with what somebody, what somebody wants to make. Cause the thing is they don't know what they want to make. They're usually asking for money and they have no idea what that money carries. Okay. So if somebody says to me, I want to buy a boat, I'm like, great. Send me the advertisement of the boat that you're buying. I want to know if it's a crown line, 24 foot, blah, 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 X, Y, Z engine. Don't care. Not a boat guy, but love it. Okay. I want to know exactly the boat it is, how much it costs and show me the one that's actually for sale that you can purchase if you had the money right now. Okay. Now I have a dollar amount I can place on that because the dollar amount allows me to work backwards. Okay. Then it's going to say the next one is we want to buy a house. Great. What is the house you want? How much does it cost? What type of financing are you going to be doing? How much for a down payment you're going to be? What are going to be closing costs in a house like that? Right. All of the things that we would tell a buyer, we need to know all of those because again, it gives me a real number. Uh, get rid of debt. This is a great one. This really tells you if they bought into your culture or not. What kind of debt are we talking about? We had one agent who had a, I didn't even know that these existed at the time, but it was a credit card that didn't have a limit <laughs> that her parents had co-signed on. And I was like, I want one. Right. And so she was like, yeah, but it's got a lot on it. And um, it's got a lot. And she had a brand new car that was about a $70,000 car and just debt all over the place. Right. Like literally I met her for lunch to talk about this. Cause I'm like, let's have a little extra time. We'll do about an hour lunch and we'll all chat about this. And she literally came in to the lunch place with four bags. I'm like, what are you doing? She goes, Oh, I went shopping. I go for what? And she goes, I was just nervous. Right. So like that was her thing. So, but we had to get serious about it. Guess what? We literally came up with a plan. She sold all the cars, right? She worked out how many commissions it was going to be. And she cut up her card and paid that off. Okay. Now, what is it? Four and a half years later, she's got two kids. They just moved into a new house, right? She's debt free. Like these are real things, right? This is really cool because, but we asked the right questions. I didn't do all that work. I did like 5% up front. She did the 95%. That was all the hard stuff, right? But we have to be the vehicle to do that. When we say to somebody, we want to be the vehicle to live, when Jeff says that, we want to be the vehicle for you to live and lead the life of your dreams. It's not just about cracking the whip so you make more money and then hope you do the right things. Okay? So there we go, Joe. 100 rental units by 2025, right? Then I want to see a business plan that shows me how much is each rental going to... How, how many are you going to have to do a month? What is it going to cost you? to get right what outside costs are going to be actually help them. This is their very first step. You guys in coming up with a business plan when they're used to working a job, are they going to accomplish all of these goals? Maybe, or maybe not, but you're using things that are important to them to get them interested in actually running a business. Does that make sense to everybody? So then it's going to be a college fund. Great. Is my kid smart? No, no scholarships here. So we're going to have to do a full college fund and they're going to have to go to in-state school, right? So it's going to have to be, 
either Nebraska or Nebraska Omaha, right? That's all they're getting, right? Some of those things. So, or lose weight. This one's my favorite. Great. How much weight do you want to lose? Well, I don't know. Why do you want to lose weight? Well, I don't know. I just wanted it to be on there. If they can't even answer those questions, I can tell you right now, we're both wasting our time talking about it. Okay. Cause it's just something they want to throw up on the board to sound cool or to wish it into existence. And that's not what we're trying to do here. And so I literally would say, well, I don't want you to put that on the board because it doesn't sound like you're serious enough to actually do the background work. So let's just leave that off right now. Okay. I don't, you can't let them get away with those kinds of things because remember we're responsible. So if we let them get away with that kind of stuff, it's on us, extreme ownership, right? That's our fault. Then, If I can't help them get there or help them come up with the plan to succeed at it, then it's not going on the board. So then, so losing weight, how much weight do you want to lose? What is your plan to lose that weight? I make them set up an appointment with their doctor. Hey, how much weight should I actually be using? What's a healthy amount of weight to lose each week, right? Based on my makeup, what uh, type of exercises are best for me, right? And come up with literally a plan. Are you going to join a gym? Great. How much does that cost a month? What gym is it going to be, right? Oh, send me the email where you actually signed up to this gym. Like you guys, everybody always asks, what am I doing every week for 20 minutes with these agents? If you do all the heavy lifting up front, man, you're just checking in. Okay. So then it's vacations. This is another one. And I'll get a picture of like an airplane flying over the ocean. I'm going to go on a vacation. Nope. I want to know exactly where you're going. How much does the, where's the VRBO that you're going to stay at? Show me a picture of the car you're going to rent, right? I want the names of three restaurants that you're actually going to eat at. This makes it become real. Just like we don't allow them to come in and say, yeah, I'd like to make a hundred grand. Sure you do, right? You don't even know what that means. Because somebody can come in and say, yeah, I want to make 150 grand a year. And then you show them what they have to do on a daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly basis to make 150 grand. And they're like, just joking. I only want to make 90, right? And that's okay too. But I want to make sure that we're serious about it and that it's accurate. So we do all of this and we come up with a number, right? Now, maybe the vacation or the house is a three-year goal, but they still have that money. And say that money was 15000 is what they needed to save or whatever. I'm trying to do this to make easy math because I know that we, nobody should be doing math, especially on like a Thursday morning. So 15000 is what they need to save up and they have three years to do it. That tells me it's 5,000 a year. I take that 5,000, I divide it by 12. Now I know my monthly goal, all right? And now I add that monthly to remember we did this. We have our budget already. I add that to my monthly. Then my boat, however many years out my boat is, how much it costs, I break it down. Then we have the kids' college fund. Then that vacation I wanna go on, however many years out. Maybe it's this six months from now. Maybe it's four years, I don't know. But we work these things out and I get now how much money do I need to make? Okay. And I'm saying these things because everybody on here should be doing this for themselves. But I think a lot of you just make more than you spend. So you're like, I'm always good. And you probably don't even know these numbers for yourself. Raise your hand if that's happened to you as me, right? For especially when I went from my very first year making 45,000, then my second year I made 112,000. And then my third year I made uh, 200,000, right? And it's like, wait a second. It's all right. You're like, oh, there's always just going to be enough. And I have, uh, what's your business plan? Um, I make more than I spend, right? I had no idea where stuff was going until I started doing this myself. Okay. And I'm going to tell you the exact same way is happening with these agents, but they don't do it yearly. They do it monthly. They do it weekly, right? They're like, oh no, this month I made more than I, than I uh, needed. So it was good. Okay, great. Do it again. I don't know. Roll the dice. So when we do this and we get that total number, now we set that aside and we say, this is what I have to make in a year, okay? Now I can say, hey, Ron, what's the average price point in Kansas City? 280,000. 280,000. And then let me find somewhere really cool, Northern Virginia, that's swanky. Peter, what's the average price point in Northern Virginia? Peter, ask the person who told you the average price point to unmute you. <laughs> oh, uh, about six fifty. About six fifty. Okay. Brother, Do we not have agents, right? If I, if Ron and Peter were on my team here in Omaha, Nebraska, where our average price point is right around three hundred, we're very similar to Kansas City. 
And I said, hey, Ron, could I have somebody say, yeah, my average price point is 225. And then I asked Peter, my average price point is 450. And they could be in the same market. Absolutely. Right. And then I say here, especially here in Omaha, and this is why it's so specific, is here in Omaha, you get 3.6% on the list side, but you get 2.4% on the buy side. Well, if I say to Ron, and he sold 20 houses, but 18 of them were listings and two were buyers, or I talked to Peter and he sold 30 houses, but almost all of them were buyers. Very different. This is why we tell you guys in those spreadsheets we went over last month with Kevin, we track all of those so I have specific numbers for an agent's specific business. Now, if I haven't had an agent with me for a year to have actual real data for them, then I'll use the average because I have the averages, right? I know that we get 2.8% commission on all transactions, whether they're buy or sell, blah, blah, blah. Average price point in Omaha is 311. I can do all those numbers, but we want it to be as specific as possible because everybody has different price, um, price ranges and things like that. So, now I say, great, Ron makes an average of X, right? Ron makes an average of X dollars. How many of those commissions on average does Ron need to do or how many transactions does Ron need to do to get to here? And not just to get to there, but then Ron's going to have to buy in costs, right? Because uh, it's all going to depend. I have to help them figure out, do they pay a cap? Do they pay a commission split? Are there fees that they owe? I don't know any of that stuff, right? Like, cause it's all different everywhere. So what is it? And then am I an LLC? How many of you here actually make sure your agents bring in an accountant, right? Or an attorney and have them help them create their LLC. Once you know their commission gets to an X. Perfect. Right. We need to be doing those types of things. Okay. Instead, cause how many times, I mean, how many times do I just sit here and I say a bunch of stuff? Believe me, and whenever I say this type of stuff, you guys, it's because I was in your shoes and I still do it to this day. Somebody tells me three awesome things and I forget two of them, right? But I'm like, oh man, I'm gonna go do that one, right? And I'm like, oh, I forgot all about that. That would have been amazing if I would have remembered that. But here, so say he wants to make $150,000 is what his goal needs to be to have all of this happen, to have Ron's business life happen and personal life and goals. Well, he's probably gonna have to create or make two, 220, right? I don't, hey, maybe he's going to want to show and not deduct a ton of money because he's got to buy the house, right? There's a bunch of different things and everybody's goal is different, okay? And so it's our job. This, everybody always asks, how do I add value? How do I add value? This is the number way you can, number one way you can add value and how much does it cost you to ask these questions and sit down and have these conversations, right? Zero dollars, guys. But yet this is the way too many times though, we want to just cut a check, right? Sign a subscription. And then if they don't make it work, we blame them. And that's cool. That, that works too, but it doesn't work for very long. And so then we get to reverse engineer their goal. So now it tells me that Ron needs to sell 31 houses. It's so fun to be able just to make up numbers. Ron needs to sell 31 houses to create his goal to not only keep the lights on, but be on pace to do all the stuff, okay? So he needs to sell 31 houses based on his average price point, based off the market that he works in, and based off of his last year's numbers. Then, since I tracked all of Ron's activities over the past 12 months, I'm gonna say to Ron, I'm gonna say, hey Ron, how many phone calls does it take Ron to get a deal together? How many appointments does Ron need to go on to get a deal done? And I literally reverse engineer Ron's numbers until I know what he needs to do to get one deal. And then I extrapolate it out over 12 months. Okay. And now I can help Ron make a weekly calendar, daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly calendar so that he can succeed. We made our last brokerage over $400,000 our last year that we were with them. And they didn't do any of this, right? Remember Jeff all the time always talks about it, making your world big enough, right? So that people want to live in it. The other flip side of that coin is helping people create their world that it's big enough, right? That they want to stay in it. Make sure you teach and show them. A, there is a ton of value and a ton of weight and a ton of loyalty 
that comes with doing this for somebody. Okay. And if you can have these real conversations like this, but use it and have the numbers take it off of your chest, right? So you don't have to be the one. Ask the real questions, get the real numbers, and then actually put it into a plan. If you can do this, this is more valuable than any amount of lead gen you can give somebody or any of that kind of stuff, right? I'm going to give you an amazing CRM that you're never going to log into and you're never going to use correctly, right? Or I can do this and teach you how to actually be a business owner. This is, this is where it's at, guys. If you want to uh, attract, retain, retain, and help agents succeed, this is where you start every single time. Because I can tell you, they can go to five different recruiting meetings and not one person probably sat down and did something like this with them. Okay? So I want you guys to understand that now. We're actually uh, going to do real-life examples of agents uh, I believe that's either next week or the one after. And I'm, you know, we're going to go through that. And we're going to go through the real numbers and the sheets we use. And because I know we just kind of showed them and introduced them to you. But if you're anything like me, I need to see it work. Like I need to see it be done and not just uh, the strategy or be told to me. So next week, we're going to literally plug numbers in and talk to like a real agent about real specific goals and things like that. Okay. All right. So uh, let's read here. We have some stuff on the chat. And like always... I think I make up for Jeff because he cuts it at like 11.45 every time. And of course, I always run past it <laughs> straight into the Q&A. So let's jump into Q&A here. Spencer says, boom, shakalaka. Thank you, Spencer. Um, here we go. It is Ken. If I, if I have never done anything like this before, how do I come up with the number of calls, deals, appointments, deal? Is there an industry norm? Okay. So the industry norm, the answer where, where first of all, where is Ken? Oh, there you are, Ken. Okay. So if they're, what you do is, Ken, what is your average? Because we don't want to say industry average, right? Because every market's different. Do you have, are you unmuted right now? Yeah, I'm unmuted. Perfect. Do you have any agents on your team? Yeah, two. What were their average business last year? As far as how many deals they did? Yep. Um, both of them right now are at 38. 38. Okay. Yeah. So, and then what I would do and how much commission does it do, does a agent typically earn on your team in your market? I would say our, our average commission check is 10 grand. So it just depends on their splits. Let's say five just to make it. Easy. There you go. Right. Yeah. So you can, you can go through, Hey, what's our average price point? Because if I'm right. bringing on a new agent, they're probably not going to work at twice the average price point. Right. 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 And they're probably going to work more buyers. So it's going to take more time, those types of things. Right. Um, so that is very market specific. There's not just a norm across the country, right? Because 20 units in Long Beach could be plenty of money, whereas 20 units in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, now nah, I got to get out there and sell some more houses, right? So have it figured out to what it is in your market. Now, if you don't have averages uh, when it comes to the prospecting numbers, which is the day-to-day -day stuff, we do have averages that we've used that we've seen over eight years of uh, or nine years of recording. And typically across all lead gen sources, Okay, I'll say this part slowly because usually I see a lot of people start writing stuff down. But across all lead gen sources, that's the three buckets of lead gen, which is sphere of influence, prospecting, and internet leads. If it's a mix of those, because we have agents who specify on each, right? But if it's a mix of those, on average, it was about 157 calls a week would lead you to a contract. Okay. You're saying calls, you don't look at how many con contacts are made, it's just phone calls is your number? Because on average, it would take us about 100 phone calls to talk to approximately 20 people. Of those 20 people, we would be able to set up an average of four appointments. From those four appointments, depending on the agent and the lead source, this is where it gets a little bit uh, specialized. But right around there, it would be anywhere between one to two contracts right? At least written as, and when I say contract signed to work with me, a listing or a buyer, right? And then you go from there. So, and so, but on average, it would be 157 calls. Now we actually did in 2016 and 17, broke it down even further. And it took about 233 phone call attempts for somebody who was spending most of their time circle prospecting. It was approximately 80 calls for somebody who only worked their sphere and past clients. And then it was around 135 
for somebody who is just working internet leads. But again, no, nobody on our team, since we taught all of the ways, right? We taught you how to do all three buckets because we want everybody well-rounded. Nobody did just one, right? Everybody was doing at least two, mostly three. But that's what we found on average. Now, the other thing is, is if I have somebody who, who circle prospects and it takes them 233 calls, that might be different next year, right? They might be better at it. They might have put a bunch of people in their database. Does that make sense? So it's going to get better and better. That's why I keep tracking every year to see, are things getting worse? Are things getting better? And now I can adjust how many call attempts they're going to make and how, where they spend their time. Because I tell you what, if I want to, because at the end of every year, when we're doing these goal settings and every quarter during the year, I want to make sure that they are stopping things that are not working and doubling down on things that are working. Now, my superpower is not getting them to make that 150000 or 200000 to cover taxes and everything else and business expenses and 31 units. My superpower is getting them to do that in half the time. Right? You don't know how many agents come to us and they make their six figures and they're like, yeah. And I'm like, so you want to make one hundred and fifty now? And they're like, no, I just want to work 20 hours instead of 40. Perfect. That's our goal now. Right? To do that, what are we going to have to do based off of how good you are at prospecting? You are with internet leads. What does your sphere database look like? What's our average commission, right? All of those types of things. What do we have to do? We now have an agent who was her goal to make uh, around 140,000 was what she wanted to do. Well, she did that. And then her next goal was, I only want to work nine months of the year. She literally wanted to take summers off. And I'm like, well, summers are where that's really busy. And she's like, I know. And I was like, okay, that's what you want, right? To this day, I swear, it will not surprise me just to see her on Facebook that she's in Mexico again. And she's still, like clockwork, makes about 140 to 150,000 a year. And that's, but that's what she has decided, right? That she wanted to do. And I said, you know, you could use the three months that you don't work and actually build a team. She's like, don't wanna. And that was me trying to instill what I wanted to do onto her. Does that make sense? Even me, who does this for a living all the time, I still slide into that. And that's why, it's one of the reasons why I love teaching is because it, it reminds myself every single day. It, the mistakes that I point out to you guys and sometimes even get on you guys about making, I've probably done in the last 14 days, right? Or at least attempted to do. So I just, so that's why is, and that's why I love it is because we're still in it doing all this stuff on a day-to-day -day basis as well. So we're still making those mistakes. But that's as absolutely how I would do it, Ken, is you're not going to have, especially if you bring somebody on, and if you, even if you bring on an agent who's producing and doing 20 to 30 units a year, they're probably not going to know their numbers. No. They don't know how many calls it takes. Right. So that's where you start and you get a baseline. And every quarter you say, okay, according to what you've done since we track things now, right, this is where we're at and this is what it looks like. But it's super powerful. And I advise you guys to go back uh, not last week, so it was Thanksgiving. The week before that, when you looked at the master database, when we had Kevin McGowan, our operations manager here, and you could literally show the average price point of every agent, what bucket of lead generation it came through, what their split looked like. Like I could literally sit down and tell you where someone's business and what their business looks like just by looking at about mm, seven to eight cells on an Excel spreadsheet, right? And that is enormous value because now I can replicate it. It's not scary. How many times do, and this is one of my biggest pet peeves, but how many times do agents say stuff like this? Oh, I had a really lucky month. You're never lucky and you're never unlucky, okay? It's just you don't know and you didn't track the activities that led to the success or the non-success that you had, right? You just didn't track it, so you don't know. But you did something to cause it to happen. But a lot of times it's we just don't track it, so we apply it to luck. Uh, or if it's bad, it's always, if it's good, it's luck. If it's bad, it's the market. And I'm telling you, if, if anything, read the book, The uh, Extreme Ownership. And it's scary at first, but by the end of the book, it's super empowering, man. You're not worried about anything because you honestly understand that you are in control. If everything's your fault... It's scary at first, but then you realize, well, if everything's my fault, everything's my fault, even the success. So now you are empowered to go out and make sure you make the changes necessary.
right? I was like, oh man, this book's just going to beat me down and I'm going to feel so lazy after reading it. And it had the exact opposite effect on me once I finally got all the way through it. So it's a really cool book, Extreme Ownership. Okay, uh, 1204, do we have another thing in here? Okay, Nick has a question. Do you or anyone in the group have an outline or form that they follow where it has the questions to lead the goal setting discussion? Okay, so somebody may, and I'll give them a chance to answer. Just go ahead and unmute yourself if you do have something like this. We don't have something like this because it's just always been me doing it every time. But now that I'm removing myself from that here at our brokerage, I have to create that. So I am in the works of creating it. And I've done a rough draft and I've given it to about three agents here that have been with us for a long time to kind of look over. Once we finalize it, we're going to throw it up to the drive and then we'll let you guys take a look at it and have access to it. Um, yeah, the one three, we use one three fives and four one ones here as well. I mean, we, we used them back when we were at our indie, indie brokerage and at Berkshire Hathaway, because we were reading, you know, the one thing and all that and MREA and all that kind of stuff years and years and years before we ever came over to KW. We just always thought, you know what? We love the KW um, strategy and the way of thinking. Um, but they were just nothing here in the Omaha area. You know what I mean? I think they had like less than 2% market share. All right. So great question. Uh, Joe, Joe raised his hand. Where's he at? Keeps moving on me. Oh, there he is up top right, right here. Up top left. There yep. you go, Joe. What do you got? So a few months ago, couple months ago, whatever, we were talking about um, theory on follow-up, like the, the Boomtown concierge type thing. Um, okay. Everyone was kind of split on some people were saying it was working. Hey, this, some, Jeff call? this was when Jeff was on, wasn't it? Yeah. Some yes, people were saying it was working. Some people said they didn't have great success. Has yeah. anyone else dived into it since then and seen good success from, I don't know, the follow-up or Rockerbox or something like that? Great question. Um, so that was Joe. Anybody on here using Boomtown's concierge service and or Rockerbox as a third party company? Looks like Paul's got some. Paul, which what are you using and how's it working? Um, we use we've used Boomtown for a couple of years and love it. Um, we got into the to the concierge service um, a couple months ago and used it, and we've recently canceled it and. Uh, I have a team of about 14 agents and then two staff members. And we thought it was a great idea. We were kind of sold on it with them. What we found was just it, we were, we were getting better results by making the calls ourselves as agents. Um, the responses and kind of the way that it was working. Uh, most of our agents have the time to call. So for us, it was just not worth it. And we were able to kind of cancel it and get out of it by showing them what it was looking like and how it was working for us. But the concept is great. I love it. It's just not something that was working for us. So we've been getting better results by just making the calls. Our average price point where I'm at is probably around 900 to 950 also. So I think that makes a little bit of a difference of why we want to be on the call right away. Perfect. Thank you for the feedback. <clears throat> Excuse me, feedback, Paul. Somebody, Cody, was that you who made a comment? Uh, same for us. We are lead generation culture, though. Co uh, can you expand on that, Cody? You said you did use somebody else. Yeah, we've used Conversion Monster and Boomtown, and we just find our price points right around four fifty to five hundred. And the ones that were qualifying were qualifying for up to two fifty, three hundred, and they couldn't find a. Even when we went on the appointments, like, oh man, that was a really interesting appointment, and so they had a hard time converting. Where we we call them, and we find more success through calling and texting and doing that. So. We've been having more results through our agents and we just teach that now. Perfect. Thank you for sharing, Cody. So um, one thing I do want to say, guys, and oh, hang on, we'll go to Kim real quick and then I'll make my point. We use, could you pull that up, Dana? Kim says, we use the concierge for the last few months and are thinking it's time to cancel. Okay. Okay. So what, um, what we believe, okay, is agent-led prospecting is always the best. Okay. The agent knows more than anybody prospecting. The problem with agent led prospecting is we have to hold agents accountable to making the calls and doing the things right. So that's the, that's the rub. Okay. So somebody says to me, well, which one's better? And I said, well, agent led better. If you're going to hold them accountable, if you're not going to hold them accountable, then hire a third party company who will be holding the people accountable. Right? So 
but if both are being held accountable, it's always going to be agent led. Always, 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 and forever. Okay. And so that's why uh, we have all of them, right? We use uh, agent led prospecting in our office here in Omaha, and we love it. And I hold them accountable, and we have amazing conversion rates. And then we have um, teams and things like that in other cities. And I can't be there or we don't have somebody there who can hold them accountable, right? And if that can't be done, then we use Rockerbox. And I think Rocker, Rockerbox of the third-party companies, Rockerbox to me does the best job. So if you're going to, shameless plug, I wish I owned part of Rockerbox now, but shameless plug, if you're going to use a third-party company, go ahead and, and I would use them. Because they have been doing, they started out as being Boomtown's concierge. They know the CRM and now they work with a number of CRMs. Okay. So if you're going to use somebody, they've been doing it for years and years and years and years and years. And we've already seen, we just started using them here in Lincoln, Nebraska, Rockerbox. And we have, a pro, we've only been doing it for 60 days. So it's still early, right? We're, we're just getting the ones that are ready to go now. We're not getting all the ones that are six months out, which is when they'll start to really convert. And we already have, um, they're over a 12% conversion ratio from lead to opportunity where it's in our uh, agent's database. We've already got, I believe, four or five contracts under contract already. Good price points. Average price point in Lincoln's like 275. And they're all between 250 and four, Right. And so those types of things. So it's actually working. But then guess what? I'm on a call every week with Rockerbox. I'm going through spending, you know, an hour going through every week, making sure the leads are being followed up on, reaching out to the agent who's not. Does that make sense? So it's not just a, oh, if I hire Rockerbox, I don't ever have to show up. Okay. But at least I'm not spending as much time, right? I'm leveraging them. For a service. There's always going to be companies that will literally build empires off of pain points. Okay. And so, and they're doing a really good job of it. Um, but I, but if you were to ask me, would you hire Rockerbox or would you hold your agents accountable? I would always hold my agents accountable. Now that doesn't work for everybody. And maybe they either don't want to, or they're not good at it or whatever. And that's fine. If you're not going to do it, absolutely do not waste your money on a CRM and lead gen, unless you're going to actually have somebody else call them then. Does that make sense? All right, because these, these things are too expensive. Okay, so we got a couple people raise their hands. Let me see. Why would you not use an in-house ISA? They're great. They're just time, they're very time consuming to train. I still have to hold them accountable. And then, excuse me, the problem is, is a lot of times they want to then turn into an agent and I have to start the process over again, which is fine. I, I gained an agent out of it, right? I literally gained an agent who's amazing at prospecting. It's just, it's a very expensive thing because usually if you want a good ISA to keep long enough for six months to a year, you have to pay them around anywhere between thirty dollars and $50,000 a year. And then they start to see those checks coming in and they're like, I'm already doing the hard part, but I'm making, you know, a fourth of what everybody else is. And then we, we lose them out. So, but again, if you're going to hire an in-house ISA, absolutely do it. There are teams out there that are successful that do it. You have to hold them accountable. Right? If I do a third-party company, at least I have somebody else holding them accountable. Although I'm a little bit anal about that, and I still have to hold the third-party company accountable. Anyway, we have three people who raised their hand. Apparently, lead gen and conversion and prospecting is an amazing topic that you guys would like to discuss more. So let's go. Who, uh, Dan, will you click on who raised their hands? I see, uh, I see Nick's got one up there. We got Nick, Paul, and I don't see the third hand. So we'll go Nick first. Okay, so oh, Camille. We, okay, go ahead, Nick. Okay, so we do we do uh, goal setting, but uh, in the past we've done it pretty simple, pretty basic. I really like the way you do it. So my question is this: is when you started doing this, did you get some mm -hmm. pushback about people? Hey, this is silly, et cetera, et cetera. And did you make it mandatory across the board of going through this? Or if you don't want to do it, that's fine. But there was some way of at, uh, on on providing yeah. resources. So the answer is yes, I did get pushback and it was silly. And my next answer was read the room, right? So if I'm sitting with somebody and they do 30 units a year and they want to be left alone, right? And they don't want to have to go through all these things. I'm not, again, now I'm just doing it the other way. I'm imposing my belief on them. Does that make sense? So now if I say to somebody, if Camille hates this, she's like, you got to be kidding me, man. Will you just leave me alone? I'll show up once a week, come to the meeting and I will sell 40 units. Will you please just leave me alone? Done. I can do that for Camille, right? 
but but I use it and I as a tool to educate them on what their options are to help them. But I planted that seed. So now Camille does that for three years and she's like, oh, there's got to be an easier way. Camille, there is. Sit with me, right? But I've planted that seed and at least she knows it's an option. So I don't just hear from Camille one day and she's like, hey, I'm going over to this place, right? Because I'm not really, I'm my only value to Camille right now is that she's used to it. She's used to us. I'm not really offering her value if I'm just leaving her alone. Does that make sense? And I want to make sure that when she does look for something besides that, that she knows that, that we're available to offer that as well. But yes, you're going to get pushback. It's going to be goofy. You guys, it sounds amazing because I sit here and I'm like, yeah, you're going to do all these things. The first year wasn't like this. The second year wasn't like this. The third year got a little better, right? It's always going to get a little bit better. And it also depends on the agents we had. You know what I mean? Sometimes we were, when we had 25 agents and maybe 16 or 17 of them were veterans, this was an easy process because they'd been through it before. A couple of years later, we still have 25 agents, but maybe... 18 of them are newer and only been with us a year or two, right? Now it's a slog and it's a little bit harder to get them up to speed. But great question. You are going to run into that. You're absolutely because you're dealing with a lot of different personalities. Okay, Camille and Owen, you guys are next. Awesome. Hey, Andy, we have recently gotten on to Boomtown. And ah, congratulations. we have $800 pledged in strategic partnerships a month, which is awesome. It feels so good. And, and like, nice. you just... In the past few months, we've been learning, growing so much thanks to ERS and what you've been teaching us. So right now, we're getting Boomtown all set up. And my question okay. is about um, smart drips and campaigns yep. and um, kind of what's the best way to like go about getting really good smart drips set up? And do you guys have resources like that we can use and kind of craft to be our own thing? Or how would you recommend setting smart drips and stuff? What I would do is I would go to our Google Drive and literally copy and paste our smart drips and use the exact same ones. And we've actually put them in there so um, that when you copy and paste them to yours, um, it is it has those uh, those those um, oh gosh those inserts in it, right? Mm-hmm. So it'll say hey age or leads first name all that kind of stuff. Literally, it's copy and paste. We don't share our drip campaigns on the Boomtown sharing library because we do so much work on them. And they're literally some of the highest scoring drip campaigns that, that are out there. So we only give them to our ERS clients. So they're on the um, ERS drive. I would copy, paste them and put them in there. And then after you've done that next week, schedule a 15 minute call with me. And I will set up literally screen share with you and show you how to set them up on when they should start and what the flow should look like. Awesome. Yes. Okay, but do not set up that call until you have them all copied and added to your database. Got okay. it? Okay. You got it, Andy. Very Thank you. Sweet. That's awesome, you guys. Congratulations. Hey, Andy, where on the drive is it? Sorry to interrupt, but just where is oh. it? Oh. Uh-huh. So the drive is something that I just add stuff to. I don't really put it together. Gotcha. It's Kevin McGowan. But it'll be on there. It's probably under marketing. You can literally search the drive. And just, did you okay. find it? Did you yeah, it's under... Yeah, it's under uh, prospecting and smart drip email campaigns. Oh, they so they they hit it. They hit it. Yeah, it was, it was hitting. You got to dig. Oh, that's all. Yeah, use them, guys, because we probably redo those every twelve to eighteen months and tweak them and then test them out here and stuff like that. So absolutely, feel free. Rip, steal, replicate, do all that stuff with it. Um, okay, and then Paul. We got you, Paul. Sorry. Oh, God. We're a few minutes after. So if anybody's got a bail, I totally understand. Um, Paul, what's your question, sir? Uh, mine will be really quick, Andy. Thanks. I just wanted to add into what we were talking about a few minutes ago with the agents making the calls over concierge. Mm-hmm. The, key that, the key that I have found, which was an absolute game changer for anybody that's on the fence, is adding CSU into your business. Um, it's like completely different. Yep. Yep. So we, uh, love, uh, we are big fans of Sisu. We're actually in talks to possibly add them back to, um, to using them now with our brokerage. So we're very excited about that. But whoever, if you guys don't know what Sisu is, I invite you to go to the Elite Real Estate Systems webpage, go to the tools, click on it, and you'll, they'll automatically reach out to you. They'll know you're applying to VRS then, and they'll reach out and give you guys a demo call and just go through all the different things that they offer. The nice part about it is that it is the app that they have that allows you to enter in the numbers, the agents enter in the numbers um, by themselves. <sighs> okay, that was a lot of talking, but that seemed like a really fast hour. So that was good. That means, uh, hopefully that means it went well.